Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, co-hosting with Bruce Kelly. We have got another great guest this week, Nadia Papagiannis, head of model portfolio products at Northern Trust Asset Management, a $1 trillion asset manager. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the research and work Nadia has done in the alternative space and why or how alternatives might make sense in a portfolio at this point. Uh, then we're also going to uh, continue our theme, holding her feet to the fire on the upcoming Super Bowl. See what she's uh, got going on there. And I want to thank our sponsor this week, Schwab Asset Management. But uh, first of all, how you doing, Bruce? How's things up there in uh, New York? I think it's supposed to be negative 50 tomorrow, Jeff. <laughs> negative 50? <laughs> well, that I'm getting like old, you know, so it feels like when it goes below 30, it feels like zero. So wow. do That's, the math. That sounds know. like uh, negative 50 sounds like uh, can't, what Kansas City is going to do in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but, but I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself No, like here. 10 degrees or something, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's weird. It got really cold at Christmas. It got like 10 degrees at Christmas for a day or two. Uh, and then it warmed back up and it's been very mild and then it's going to get super cold for a couple of days and then warm back up. Well, I got to tell you, I moved down to North Carolina three years ago and I haven't seen anything close to 10 or negative 50 or hmm. every now and then we get below freezing though. So I think our guests know Chicago well though. I know the frozen tundra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Born and raised in the frozen tundra. <laughs> there you go. So, hey, how you doing, Nadia? Thank you for being here. I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk to you both. All right. Well, let's let's talk about. I mean, alternative investments. It, it's it's obviously the kind of thing that gets kicked around a lot after years like last year, where sixty forty had its worst year since two thousand eight, and bonds had their worst year ever. Um, so now everybody's talking about, uh, getting something that's non-correlated, which maybe they should have had last year, but now that it's this year, my past conversations with you, uh, lead me to know that you think alternatives are, are, should be a little bit more all weather, right? All season, have them all the time. And am I paraphrasing correctly? Um, absolutely, Jeff. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of time to think about alternatives. I've been doing it for... Um, almost a couple of decades now. And um, I actually arrived at a definition yesterday. So do you want to hear about the definition? <laughs> yeah. Took you 20 <laughs> years? After, after, after yes, 20 man. years, I arrived at a definition yesterday. That's <laughs> great work, Nadia. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's the slow burn. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So I decided that what it means is it means investing beyond your comfort zone. And that can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But for many advisors, their comfort zone is pretty narrow. So for them, it can mean anything beyond developed market stocks, you know, around the style boxes and beyond investment grade bonds. That's all alternative investment territory. Okay. Let's talk about alternatives now. Is there, a, is there a, anything unique about the current market cycle or the economy that makes alternatives make sense? Well, I think that there's several things that are unique about this economy. <clears throat> um, so one of the things that happened last year, I think you hit on it, was um, you know we had the worst year for bonds ever. 
And we had the second worst year for a 60-40 portfolio. But the unique thing about last year was that the stocks and bonds didn't zig and zag. And that's the whole reason why we have them in the portfolios. It was the very first time that stocks lost money and bonds also lost money. And the whole reason was inflation. Um, unforeseen inflation, which caused uh, unforeseen unexpected rate hikes. And then that was a detriment to bonds. Um, and so we could say that, you know, last year is done. Uh, we're almost um, done with this inflation thing. Um, but it, I, I don't think we're in the clear. Um, we've, you know, we've come down in inflation and Northern Trust doesn't think we're in the clear either. Um, we've come down a lot, but we still have a huge problem with, um, the strength of wages in the labor market in terms of, um, bringing down that inflation number. So inflation has come down simply because of the drop in food and energy prices. And the cause of that was um, the cause of the increase in food and energy was, you know, the Ukraine war and then sh the shortages from COVID. And that's all been resolved. But the services, the prices, uh, the price of labor has not been resolved. And I think that that's going to take some time to resolve. And um, besides that, um, the one of the um, uh, takeaways from COVID was that the world is no longer in this global globalization mode, we're in this deglobalization mode. So that could mean higher prices just as a normal state of being. So I think it's time that alternative investments include investments that can protect against inflation and that that has to be in your portfolio all the time because this high level of inflation is probably not going away anytime soon. And then our more normal level inflation is probably going to be higher than we've ever seen historically. Okay. Now let's talk about the actual strategies or asset classes that you're talking about. Because when you talk about alternative, when we talk about alternatives, it, it's there's a broad, wide open landscape out there. I generally, you could say anything that's not a long only stock or bond or stock or bond fund could be an alternative, right? So what what specifically are we talking about? So alternative investments, as as I took twenty years to come up with, can mean just about anything, right? Um, but it doesn't have to mean that it that they are complex it doesn't have to mean that it's expensive and it doesn't have to mean that it's a liquid you don't have to be an accredited investor to invest in the alternative investments especially the types that are going to help you with inflation alternatives can simply mean just reorganizing your stocks and bonds into different categories or asset classes asset classes that can keep up better with inflation so you still have stocks and bonds they're just specific types of stocks and bonds that are better at keeping up with inflation. And at the same time, they do the other things that alternatives are supposed to do, which are mitigating losses in a down market and then um, doing the other thing that all investments are supposed to do, generating income so that you can live your life. I know we're getting to this. We're talking about tips. This is your these are your big three, right? I'm, I'm going to I'm going to brag about the stuff that I read that you wrote tips which are treasury inflation protected securities. I want to say that because we talked about tips a little a little bit on last week's episode and I got uh, somebody that called to ask what the heck are tips. So we're going to let Nadi explain that. And then uh, high yield bonds and real assets. So let's 
let's start with that. First of all, how did tips do last year? If if tips are so great, it sounds like they're de- designed for this environment, right? Yeah. So um, let's let's uh, break down those those three, and that is what I would say. These three types of alternative investments: real asset stocks, high yield bonds, and tips, which are Treasury inflation protected securities or bonds. These are essentials to your portfolio. Um, but they alter- they are alternative in the sense that most people don't have them in their portfolios. And even if you look at all of the model portfolios out there that are provided by other asset managers, most of those model portfolios don't include these three, um, you know, stalwarts of a portfolio that um, can get through an inflationary environment and um, we have to think about inflation for the long term, too, because retirement is a long term thing and we need to think about inflation. So real asset stocks, um, that includes natural resource stocks, infrastructure stocks and real estate stocks. These are just stocks, but in different categories, as I mentioned. High yield bonds, which are below investment grade bonds uh, that generate a higher yield. And then tips, to answer your question, treasury inflation protected securities, which are um, bonds that are the value of the bond is tied to inflation. So when inflation goes up, the value resets. Um, but the, the problem with um, the way most people invest in these tips um, is that they're investing in longer duration tips. So you can't just have the inflation protection, but then also get the downside from the interest rate risk. You need to reduce that interest rate risk and have shorter duration tips in your portfolio. Okay, so you got to be specific about the types of tips you're you're allocating to in different cycles. That's right, right because if you're if the reason why interest rates um, are going up is inflation, um, it's you know you're kind of you're shooting yourself in the foot by investing in these longer duration tips. There's there's no benefit from them because the increase in the value from the inflation is just going to be outweighed by the decrease in the value from the duration or the maturity of the tips. So where do tips fit in the on the the fixed income side or on the growth side? If you're if you're putting a, in, they're adding to a portfolio. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because um, it's very important to figure out where these um, even though they're called stocks and bonds, they might not necessarily go in those categories. We think of stocks for growth, and we think of bonds for uh, risk control. Um, and tips are definitely in the risk control bucket. They're definitely a lower. Um, return, lower risk asset class in general. High yield bonds, on the other hand, are more like stocks. They are not as risky as stocks historically, but they're definitely more risky than you would put in your risk control bucket. And um, they definitely have the ability to participate on the upside of the stock market with less of the downside, which is why we like high yield bonds so much. And then, um, of course, natural resource infrastructure and real estate stocks, all the real asset stocks, those are in the growth portfolio. Those are going to also generate growth, but growth that keeps up with inflation. That's the key. Okay. We're going to get Bruce in here in a second, but but I want to just be clear that these three asset classes, tips, high yield bonds, and real assets, are they... Are you saying that you should have exposure to these all the time or exposure to these right now because of where we are with inflation and interest rates and possible recession? 
coming. We think at Northern Trust that you should have exposure to them all the time. Um, just use them as an asset class like you would, you know, your large cap stocks, like you would your um, investment grade bonds. You, you mix them into your portfolios, but then you can't set it and forget it. So just like you mentioned, um, you know, tips, there might have been a better time to be more in tips than, you know, after inflation, whereas we're still in tips because they still provide um, protection against any kind of unexpected inflation. We're not as much in tips as we were you know, prior to the big what we hope was the, the peak in um, inflation. Um, so you it's important on top of this to not set it and forget it. Um, you have to you have to be looking at the markets to see where there's opportunities. But as a as a general rule, they should always be in your portfolio. Now, obviously, if you have more of a um, income, more conservative portfolio, you're going to have more of the tip side and less of the high yield bonds, natural resource type stocks. Um, if you're more on the growth side, you're going to have more in the stocks and high yield bonds and less in the tips. So you also have to think about your portfolio as is it more growth oriented or is it more risk control oriented? Okay, I'm going to um I'm going to open up my brokerage account right now and make some trades while uh, Bruce uh Bruce Montre <laughs> asked Nadia some questions so I can get these tips, high yield bonds and real assets into my portfolio before the market closes. You you could also uh, make your trades on DraftKings for the Super Bowl predictions. We can talk yeah, about that later. That's an ongoing <laughs> that's an ongoing problem with me. Let's let's not get into too much of therapy here. <laughs> Schwab Asset Management is proud to sponsor the Investment News Podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, they offer low-cost core ETFs for building the foundation of a diversified portfolio. Their focused lineup, which includes market cap index and strategic beta ETFs, is a reflection of a commitment to deliver exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com backslash ETFs. That's schwabassetmanagement.com backslash ETFs. Hey, Nadia, how are you? Hey, Bruce, how's it going? Good, good, good. So, uh, you know, if, I just want to take a little break from all the talk about alts and talk about your career a little bit. Because I remember you back from Morningstar. When I was a young pup. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Uh, <laughs> Before kids. <laughs> but you were, yeah, that was, that was a, we were all younger then. So, uh, and your role as a prominent woman on uh, Wall Street or in the investment management business. Well, thank um, you. You're, so, I mean, you've been roughly 20 years in the business or so, or? Roughly. Maybe we're, maybe we're erring on, on the downside there. Well, okay. We can do that. <laughs> Rounding down. But I, I remember you <laughs> seeing you at Morningstar, you know, the big Morningstar conference in Chicago every June, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, you came, you spoke a couple of times, I think, at our Investment News Alternative Investments. That's uh, right. In Chicago. Then I think in 2011 or 2012 or so, you went to Goldman Sachs um, for four or five years and yeah. then you jumped to Northern Trust. So kind of a very interesting career. I mean, what has that been like? 
you know, your career in general and then any specifically as, you know, a woman working in the investment management uh, business over the past 20 years or so? Well, I, I would have to say that um, my experience has definitely been um, formed by when I entered into the industry, which was in 2000. So, <laughs> uh, and now we can figure out my, my age, but anyway. That's exactly <laughs> when Jeff and I, Jeff started at Investment News in March of 2000. Okay, okay. And I started in April 2000. So okay, right, great. We were all right around starting new things right at the market peak of the dot-com bubble. Right. right? So, so I've been through the dot-com bubble burst. I've been through the 2008 financial crisis. Right. And now I've been through you know, COVID and I don't know what we're going to end up calling this era. I'm pretty interested in what we're going to end up calling this era in the future. Um, but, you know, my um, career and my portfolio has been punctuated by, you know, bubbles and bursts, essentially. And uh, so it, it um, definitely makes you more of a uh, cautious person, more of a um, risk averse um, investor, which is, you know, the opposite of what everybody tells you to do, right? If you have a, a really long investment horizon, you should be in taking as much risk as you can and just, you know, forgetting it and just let it ride. Um, but then you, you experience all of these uh, crises and, you know, your gut tells you, oh, I can't, I can't deal with this kind of volatility, but you know, you need growth in your portfolio. And so that's really how I got into alternative investments, because I just thought that they were the perfect answer to that, something that could um, generate um, some kind of returns in your portfolio, um, but not, you know, devastate you every time there is a crisis, which seems to be, you know, every several years in of my career. Well, it would be three in 20 years or so, roughly. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, I think that's kind of a lot. I mean, obviously all of my peers that are about the same age have a similar kind of, I guess, a, a phobia. It's like a- it's, Worldview. Worldview, yeah. but it's also uh, an aversion to taking risk when, um, you know, as a, having, you know, financial training, having a, a degree in finance, an MBA in finance, I know I need to take risk. So how can I take risk, but taking, take the right risk and getting paid for the risk that I'm taking? And that is what we're focused on in Northern Trust with our model portfolios. And these model portfolios that um, I work on, um, they are were originally designed for our own wealth management clients. So for our own wealth management clients that, um, you know, we're in Chicago, on Lake Michigan, um, the North Shore of Chicago is a very uh, wealthy area. Northern Trust was originally founded to manage the wealth of, um, you know, the, the wealthy uh, folks in the North Shore, and then soon we expanded um, Florida and other parts of the United States, and now we're global. Um, but, you know, wealthy people um, often feel the same way from what I've learned over my career that, you know, they have this money and they'd rather not lose it. Um, and so they want something that can grow, but can grow without the risk of losing their nest egg. And so that's where alternatives came in. That's really how I got started the alternatives that I got started on were the really complex alternatives, the hedge funds, um, you know, right. private equity, 
Um, and then it, it morphed to um, mutual funds that could do some of the things that um, hedge funds were able to do. And I just thought that was so exciting. And then that was kind of like part two of my career. What does your allocation look like right now, roughly, for a say a, a you know a growth investor with with moderate risk? Say someone who's almost fifty eight years old and is about to put two kids through college, and uh, just speaking for a friend. Yep, yep, speaking for a friend. So, but generally speaking, um, so if you have a your sixty forty would be your you know your base um, right. portfolio, right? Um, but in that sixty. We're a little bit overweight, um, high yield bonds. Um, and then we are a little bit underweight emerging market stocks. And we are a little bit overweight, um, natural resource stocks and a little bit overweight cash. So if you give me one second, I'll give you the exact, um, allocations of the portfolio. Hey, Nadia, we're not going to get a bill for this, are we? Cause I'm already, <laughs> I'm already worried if I can afford the, the tips, high yield real assets, uh, advice you gave me that. I've just purchased, by the way. Yes. Yeah, so the, the nice thing about um, these portfolios is that you can invest in them using ETFs. And you can invest in them using index ETFs if you want, which is um, not what we would recommend. Um, but you can um, invest in them using actively managed funds, which is also something not, not that we would recommend. Or you can invest in them using something that's kind of in between. So it's... Um, Kind of like an index fund, but it's it's zoning in on the stocks and bonds that the active managers are um, focused on, and with but doing it in an index-like way, so it's a, a cheaper expense ratio. Okay, so I have the the total weights for you. So in stocks, we're about forty-four percent in the moderate portfolio in stocks right now. Um, and that's in between United States stocks, developed ex-U.S. stocks, emerging market stocks, 27% U.S., 13% um, outside of the U.S., and 4% emerging markets. So I mentioned this was a 60-40 portfolio. Right now, we've only covered the 44% of it. Then we are 10% in the real assets, and that is allocated 6% to natural resources, 2% to real estate, and 2% to infrastructure. So that gets you to 54%. And then we're 9% in high yield. So we include high yield bonds as a, um, as a stock, essentially as a growth engine in your portfolio. So that gets us to 63%. So the nice thing about um, investing in high yield is that it's um, similar to a stock, but it doesn't have the downside historically of a stock. So you can be overweight risk in the portfolio. So we're 63.37, um, right? Instead of a 60.40. But we're taking that risk in a less risky manner because we have high yield bonds in the portfolio. And then the natural resources are, of course, a hedge to inflation. The infrastructure is a hedge to inflation. And then we have a little cash in the portfolio that um, right now cash is, you know, uh, yielding pretty nice, but also we can deploy that um, in the future when we figure out what's going on with um, recession, are we going to have a recession or not? And then in inflation-linked bonds, we're 5% in inflation-linked bonds, 28% in investment grade, and then as I mentioned, 4% in cash. So that 28 plus 5 plus 4, that gets you to the 37% in the risk control portfolio, and then 63% in the risk on portfolio. Okay, that's great. 
Just one more question for you before I kick it back to Jeff. And I don't know if this is kind of arbitrary or not, but are you kind of wary of any product push that you see out there? I asked this to, I've asked this to several people recently, you know, marketing people, when the, the drums of the mar- the marketers get, get going, they love to push certain products, you know, uh, if everyone's talking about alternatives, well, you have to be in this type of fund. Is there any kind of marketing push that you're hearing in the industry right now that you'd be somewhat leery of? Um, I mean, there's always product pushes in, in the industry, right? right. <laughs> um, but I mean, my experience is alternatives, right? And um, it was always in alternatives, it was trying to democratize alternatives, trying to get you know, the private equity funds and the hedge funds to the little people, the normal people yes. like me. And um, it, I was always leery of that because, um, well, even if, even if, you know, 20 years ago, I could have invested in those products, which I was not accredited investor at the time. You know, there's the fees, there's the locking up of your money. Um, and so those are things you have to consider when um, you don't just have money that you can just, you know, lock away for um, and, and not touch it and not think about it and not care, you know, what's happening to it. And so the the nice thing about investing in liquid investments is that you always know what's going on in them, which is why I really got turned on to liquid alternatives in the first place. Um, but then I found out that, you know, where the, the idea was really good for liquid alternatives, that... It's really hard for an advisor to explain to his clients why it's there or what it's doing. And I think that that's, that is the most important thing an advisor can do for a client is one, to keep, you know, their eyes on the market and explain to their client what's going on in the market. And then second, what they're doing about in the portfolio and why everything in their portfolio is there. It should be there for a reason. Why are stocks there? Well, they're the growth engine of your portfolio. Why are high-yield bonds there? They're there because they're a growth engine, but they don't have as much downside risk as stocks. So if you can just really simple be able to explain to your clients why it's in there, I think um, that's that's um, the sign of a good investment. And if you can't explain it, then I think you have to be cautious about it. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Jeff? Yeah, Um Nadia, what about what about Bitcoin? You guys look at that at all? Crypto? <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I don't, and uh, we don't um, as a firm, um, so I, I can't um, say say much about that. I personally don't, and uh, we don't include it as a firm in our in our asset allocation. Okay, well, that's a bummer because it's forty two percent over the past month. But <laughs> yeah, but before that, it was down. It was down 50% or 75%, Jeff, or something, right? Yeah, I know, but uh, whatever. All right. We'll talk to you about uh, Bitcoin uh, maybe next year when it's uh, on its next roll. So, Nadia, we're going to go into sports now. This is our sports uh, section of the uh, podcast. The Super Bowl is two weeks away, or is it two weeks away? Yeah, yes, well, a week and a half, whatever. Um, two Sundays, two Sundays two, from today. Two Sundays, and I know people listening don't know that we're recording this on a Thursday. So by the time they listen, it'll be a Monday. So when you listen, it's going to be next Sunday's the Super Bowl. Yes, so there you exactly. have it. Either way, it's uh, Philadelphia and Kansas City. I think Philadelphia is favored a little bit. Um, 
we've had some really interesting predictions the last few weeks about the the Super Bowl, and uh, I think people are are kind of moving in the right direction here. But uh, Nadia, what do you think? I know you're in Chicago, and uh, being a Bears fan is is was a, has been a tough run as of late. If you are a Bears fan, but uh, where uh, where are you putting all your money on DraftKings? First of all, Jeff, I have to clarify that I am a Packers fan, and Frozen I'm so tundra. disappointed yeah. that we didn't even make it to the playoffs this year. So I kind of stopped watching football after that, unfortunately. But let me tell you what I think is the most interesting bet. Did you know there's a, a you can bet on an ad that is um, putting Miller Lite against Coors Light? And you can, I guess something happens or some contest and you have to bet on which beer is going to win. You can bet on some other things, I guess, within the commercial. But uh, really, I'm either gonna, of them should win. I'm betting on yeah, Miller Lite because I'm from Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> They're both awful. <laughs> that's, that's... And that might be just as good of an investment as uh, Bitcoin. I don't know. <laughs> And then the other thing I'm betting on is that um, not as many Gen Z or millennials are going to watch the Super Bowl halftime show this year because last year was the pinnacle of perfection for a halftime show. So I don't know how we're ever going to beat that. I think it's Rihanna this year, right? I know, but, you know, Eminem, Dr. Dre, I don't know how we can uh, snoop. Oh. I don't know how we can recreate that. Yeah. I, I, so are we going to get a prediction on the game or what? No, no prediction on the just game. The just, Miller Light. just Miller Lite. Just Miller Lite. the halftime. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with Bruce. Very alts. That's very, that's very alts. That's keeping in the theme. I'm with Bruce on Miller Lite versus Coors Light, though. Those are, those are two beers that taste like water. So, you know. Tastes great. Less filling. <laughs> tastes like something. Um, Miller is not. A sponsor of this podcast, as you might imagine. <laughs> or Northern Trust. Neither it has nothing is, uh, to do with Northern Light. Trust Asset yes. Management. Thank you for joining us, Nadia. Good stuff. A lot of good insights. Um, yeah, that was great. I mean, I, I, I took out my pencil and I was scratching down furiously the allocation right. model. That's there. what I'm saying. I, I came, you... Nadia came up with 100%. I came up with like 122.5% or something. Oh, no. I hope so. I didn't repeat myself. <laughs> yes. Well, there was no, some, it's my there was, it's my math skill. There was some leverage in there, Bruce. You, yeah. you got to pay That's attention. Right. She she's big into leverage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like as always, you get if you pay attention, folks, you get some free uh, free investment advice on the Investment News podcast. Thank you very much, Nadia. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Launching every Monday, it's another episode of the Investment News podcast. We want to thank our special guest this week, Nadia Papagiannis from Northern Trust. We also want to thank our producer, Angela Castor, and our sponsor this week, Schwab Asset Management. Uh, you can find the podcast, of course, at investmentnews.com. Also, find it on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review, please, on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. If you want to reach out to Jeff, he'll be on Twitter. His handle is at Benji Ryder. My handle is at BD News Guy. And stay tuned because we will be talking to you next week.